Welcome to NTD Evening News. Our top story tonight, a major development in the Middle East. A hostage for prisoner swap between Israel and Hamas terrorists set to take place Friday afternoon local time after both sides agree to a temporary ceasefire. We have details of that exchange and how long Israel expects the fighting to last after the truce ends. Yet another country voting for a populist outsider this week. What does the win of a Dutch conservative say about America's upcoming elections? Arian Postar explains. A bombshell allegation against New York City Mayor Eric Adams. A woman says Adams sexually assaulted her 30 years ago. Is this year's Thanksgiving dinner actually cheaper? What some Americans are telling us as the White House says it is among the cheapest ever. In an annual tradition, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade bringing together friends and family. Jason Perry in Manhattan with the highlights and what parade goers loved most. And over in the heart of the nation's capital, thousands trot to fight hunger, working off some calories to make room for their Thanksgiving feast. This is NTD Evening News, live from our NTD Global Headquarters in New York City. Here is Tiffany Meyer. Good evening and thank you for joining us tonight. As bloodshed continues to unfold in the Gaza Strip, a hostage for prisoner swap between Israel and Hamas is only hours away. This after both sides agree to a temporary ceasefire starting Friday. NTD's Sam Wong has the details. Today, an unprecedented breakthrough in the Middle East. A four-day trust between Israel and Hamas terrorists is set to kick off Friday morning local time. And hours later, Hamas is to release a group of 13 hostages. Qatar was a key mediator in this conflict. They will be 13 in number, all women and uh, children, and uh, those hostages who are from the same families will be uh, put together within the same patch. Hamas has agreed to release 50 women and children over a four-day period in exchange for 150 Palestinian prisoners held by Israel. According to a press release from the Israeli Prime Minister's office, families of the 13 hostages have been notified about the return of their loved ones. Gil Dickman's cousin and another relative are among the hostages. He tells CNN that he's hopeful, but won't believe it until he sees it. When we see hostages free and alive as we expect them to be, then we can talk about trust and maybe even trust them on, on next deals. And on the battlefield, the Israeli army has arrested the director of Al-Shiva Hospital. Israel says the hospital serves as a Hamas command center. Meanwhile, during an operation in Jabalia, the IDF discovered a stash of weapons on their children's bed in a building linked to a Hamas terrorist. Seven weeks of intense warfare and still no signs of a surrender. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that the war would resume after the truce expires. Sam Wong, NTD News. The Times of Israel is reporting that Israel's defense minister told troops to expect many more weeks of fighting after the truce expires. And tonight, the IDF announced on X that an airstrike in the Gaza Strip killed a senior Hamas Navy commander. Amar Abu Jalala was the commander of the Hamas Naval Force in Khan Yunis, according to the IDF. 
Dutch populist Geert Wilders has emerged as the clear winner of the Netherlands elections. This just days after the victory of a right-leaning candidate in Argentina. NTD's Arian Postar tells us what these results could indicate about America's presidential elections. The Freedom Party of Geert Wilders with a landslide victory in the Netherlands. Out of 150 seats, the Freedom Party won 37. The Green Party, led by a Social Democrat, comes in second with 25 seats. And the Netherlands Conservative Party, which is currently in power, got only 24 seats. We do this because of the dreams of all those Dutch people who voted for us, all those Dutch people who think things should be different, who are fed up with how things have gone in the Netherlands in recent years, who believe that Dutch people should come first. Some are calling Wilders the Dutch Donald Trump. One reason his party has emerged as the clear winner is the economy. A Dutch citizen told The Guardian, we pay too much tax, too much for health care, too much for rent. We can't take it anymore. Now this victory by Wilders comes only days after conservative Javier Milei won in Argentina. In both countries, people voted for the right-wing outsider, partly because their economies have gotten to a bad point. At the same time in the United States, people are also experiencing inflation and high prices ever since President Biden took office. Could this mean that more Americans now want former President Trump to come back? To find out more, I spoke with Fergus Hudson. He's an economist and publisher of the Impunity Observer. In the case of Trump, he, he's already had a term in office, so people have a much stronger sense for what the outcomes will be given his policies, so that is an enormous asset in his favor on the campaign trail. Another reason for Wilder's victory this week is immigration. Some Dutch voters say they're upset that the Netherlands is supporting immigrants while prices for Dutch citizens are rising. An issue we're also seeing in the U.S. Hodgson says this might backfire at Democrats, as many Americans don't agree with current immigration policies. But the working classes who have much stronger affection for the country and are much more local in their orientation, they don't like seeing the country change in such a swift and haphazard manner. So yes, of course, they, they will respond at the, at the uh, polling booth and they will oppose those who they see as aiding this just unmitigated or, or disorderly immigration. Just this week, a Siena College poll found that 75% of New York Democrats say that immigration is at least a somewhat serious problem. Almost half say it's a very serious problem. Ariane Pastar, NTD News. Turning now to Ireland, protesters clashed with riot police in Dublin tonight following a knife attack that injured five people, including three young children. Police in riot gear pushed back protesters near the scene of the stabbing. A police car and double-decker bus were burned and windows of businesses smashed. According to local reports, earlier in the day, a man wielding a large knife attacked a number of people before members of the public intervened. A man and a woman are being treated for serious injuries, as well as one of the children. The two other children suffered less serious injuries. Police have not yet ruled out any motive for the stabbings, including the possibility that they were terror-related. Just a week after the FBI seized his cell phones as part of a corruption probe, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is facing yet another controversy. He's now being accused of sexual assault. A woman who has not been identified filed a document in the New York County Supreme Court Wednesday. It says Eric Adams sexually assaulted her when they both worked for the city of New York in 1993. 
The filing also accuses the mayor of battery and employment discrimination, retaliation, hostile work environment, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Besides Adams, the filing also names the Transit Bureau of the NYPD and the NYPD Guardians Association as defendants. Details of the allegation are unclear as the summons are not made public. The plaintiff seeks a trial and $5 million in relief. She filed the summons under the Adult Survivors Act. The New York law, which is set to expire this week, has triggered a flurry of lawsuits against famous men. A City Hall spokesman responded to the allegations. He said Adams denies the allegation, adding, quote, The mayor does not know who this person is. If they ever met, he doesn't recall it. But he would never do anything to physically harm another person and vigorously denies any such claim. This comes as Adams is facing other legal troubles. He's currently the subject of a separate probe by the FBI related to campaign financing. The recent scandals may have further distanced the mayor from fellow Democrats in the White House. Politico is writing today that Adams and President Biden haven't spoken in a year. Adams has become increasingly vocal about the illegal immigration crisis and has openly criticized the Biden administration's policies. The White House saying your Thanksgiving dinner tonight is among the cheapest in history, but not everyone agrees, as some Americans tell us they can't afford to buy meat. NTD's Iris Tao has more from the White House. On Thanksgiving, President Biden's re-election campaign is running TV ads in key states to tell Biden's economic record. $35 a month. The White House also trying to convince skeptical Americans that prices are dropping on everything from gas to turkey. Well, the cost of a Thanksgiving dinner fell this year. Prices are down for turkey, stuffing. Because wages are rising, this Thanksgiving dinner is the fourth cheapest ever as a percentage of average earnings. But a few residents here in D.C. telling us on Thanksgiving Day that they feel otherwise. It's too high. It's like... The prices are going up, but the salaries aren't going up. So. No, it's not getting cheaper. I just, I, I don't have Thanksgiving this year. You know, it's, it's a luxury, you know, uh, to, 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 uh, to have uh, meat. I stick with the, you know, vegetables and rice and stuff like that. The White House tells the fact that a classic Thanksgiving dinner this year is costing 4.5% less than last year. But the same data set by the American Farm Bureau Federation also shows that this year's Thanksgiving dinner is 30% more expensive than in 2020. And while hourly wages have indeed increased by about 13%, inflation is up 17% since President Biden first took office. Workers today in November of 2023 are actually making less per hour after inflation. And polling continues to show high disapproval ratings of Biden's handling of the economy. But the White House stresses that stubborn inflation is caused by the pandemic and that it's taking time for Americans to feel the effect of Biden's efforts to improve the economy. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. Excitement filled the air in New York City today as thousands of people gathered to watch Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. NTD's Jason Perry was on the ground and got a first-hand look at the action, speaking with many joyful people in the crowds. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I'm here in New York City at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Thousands of people from all around the world have gathered here to see these spectacular floats and the people. I'm going to talk to some of them to see what their favorite floats are and to see what plans they have for Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. 
Do you have any favorite floats today? I really like that one right there. Which one is it? Look, the Christmas tree. Okay, and what about you? I really like the Minions and the SpongeBob. All right, and what's your favorite? I like the Christmas Choir and Santa. Okay, and do you have a favorite? Uh, the, that one, the tree one. Okay, okay. And so what will you be doing for Thanksgiving? We're gonna have a wonderful dinner at Tavern on the Green. Where did you come from? Tennessee. Wow, it's a long way. Is. is this your family here? Yeah, she lives here as my sister. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do y'all have a favorite float or anything you're waiting on? Um, I liked the Pikachu and Eevee one. Okay, and what about you? I'm waiting for Cher. Okay, okay. Yes. That'd be good to see her too. We are excited to see Cher. And how are you? Good, thank you. How and are where you? Good. Where did you come from? Canada. Canada, that's a long, kind of a long way. And um, is this your son here? Yes, it is. Are you enjoying the parade? Yes. <laughs> Do you have a favorite float? Sesame Street. Sesame Street and Paw Patrol. Sesame Street and Paw Patrol. Many of them like Paw Patrol. You guys have plans for Thanksgiving or anything? No, just sticking around here watching the parade. Awesome. Thank you. You guys having a good time? Yes. And did y'all have a favorite float today? Um, I don't know. I liked all of them. They were good. What about you? Okay. And what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? Spending it with family. Spending it with family. Are you cooking? No, not this year. We're okay. here this year. <laughs> and what's your favorite float? Um, probably, I haven't seen Santa, but I think Santa will be good, so Santa. Okay. And do you have a favorite one? Oh, that one, the Christmas tree. <laughs> okay, I think that's got the most votes so far was the Christmas tree. And what will you all do for Thanksgiving? You got plans for Thanksgiving? We're going to my grandma's house. Okay. Oh, that sounds yeah. like a good time. Will you help with the cooking? Um, maybe. Um, do you have a favorite float? Uh, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. And what about you? Do you have a favorite? Oh, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Jesse James Decker. Okay, okay, <laughs> Eric okay. Decker. And what? What's your favorite float? And yours? Bluey! Nice. Thank you, thank you. Do you have any plans for Thanksgiving? D uh, dinner. Dinner. Your family? <laughs> Restaurant. Okay. With our, we're from, we're friends, Arizona, okay. North Carolina. Nice. Y'all came a long way. Yes. Well, thank you all. Appreciate it. All right. Well, that's a wrap from Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I'm Jason Perry in New York City, and from all of us at NTD, have a happy Thanksgiving. Today's parade was an entirely drama-free. Pro-Palestinian protesters attempted to disrupt the processions. A law enforcement source says a group broke through barriers and tried to glue themselves to the street. The protesters were taken into custody. The parade continued without much disruption. And more festivities over in the nation's capital. More than 7,000 people from across the U.S. gathered in the heart of Washington, D.C. to participate in the 22nd annual Turkey Trot. In true holiday spirit, they're racing to give back. NTD's Melina Weisscup takes us there. Kicking off the fun bright and early, warming up those limbs on a frigid fall morning. Give me 10. Probably the start is my favorite part, not the end. Then it's off to the track for folks young and old. 
and those with two legs or four. Thousands of folks here are in downtown Washington, D.C., joining the annual turkey trot. We've met folks from all over the United States who come here just to keep this annual tradition alive. You see behind me there are some of the first groups of finishers who are really working hard for that Thanksgiving turkey. We're from California, and we've been doing this, I think this is our sixth year? Sixth year. But we're here visiting our grandkids who ran. It's just fun. Celebrate Thanksgiving. It's important to celebrate Thanksgiving and, and everything that happens. And we come and visit some friends here in D.C. every year. So we try to take it up a notch. A sea of turkey trotters getting their steps in while giving back to the community. <laughs> Fighting poverty and homelessness. The race is sponsored by an organization called So Others Might Eat. It raises money for food, affordable housing, job training, and other programs to help people in need. The charity that they raise money for is really um, meaningful and important to give back on Thanksgiving. And for other racers, the giving doesn't stop here. Some going the extra mile to dress up as a way to bring joy to others through their festive clothes. I know as like a little kid I enjoyed seeing it, so it's sort of like to give back to like the next generation in a yeah. sense. Are you nervous about having to run in that? A little bit, a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's quite possible, but we're going to see. And it might just be worth it. That feeling of accomplishment that everyone experiences at the finish line, just in time and with plenty of room in the belly now to enjoy a traditional Thanksgiving feast with friends and family. Melina Weiscup, NTD News. You can now experience a twist of holiday delight with one popular ice cream chain offering a new unique taste. NTD's Christina Corona has more from Baskin Robbins. Gobble up the joy as Baskin Robbins takes a delicious turn by offering its new festive Thanksgiving ice cream flavor. The new flavor, Turkey Day Fixins, features untraditional ice cream sensations, as in much of what you might find on the table at a typical Thanksgiving feast. The flavor of the month has a sweet potato orange color with cornbread cake pieces and swirls of cranberry sauce. Hannah Suits, the director of brand marketing for Baskin Robbins, said, We continued to push the boundaries of flavor innovation at Baskin Robbins and wanted to bring a unique scoop to the table that deliciously enscapulates all the sweet and savory flavors from your favorite Thanksgiving sides. She goes on to say, Along with the return of our iconic turkey cake, these offer are a delicious and innovative take on holiday favorites. The turkey cake by Baskin Robbins is served straight out of the freezer, not the oven. The bird is made of ice cream with sugar cones as projecting legs. The skin is a shiny caramel praline glaze. You can try the new holiday flavor of the month until the end of November. Happy Thanksgiving, Christina Corona, NTD News, Almani. Coming up, Marine Corps recruits prepare for boot camp. The trainees share what it means to serve and why they're choosing to become United States Marines. The last thing travelers want, long delays on Thanksgiving holiday flights. Airlines are fighting to make flights faster as minutes can cost them millions. And tomorrow is Black Friday. How much are shoppers expected to spend and how well will this holiday shopping season stack up compared to past years? We'll find out after the break.
Welcome back. As decorated Marine Lieutenant General Chesty Puller once said, pain is weakness leaving the body. Today, recruits continue to embody those words as they train to become full-fledged Marines. NTD's David Lamb visits a Marine Corps recruiting substation to get an inside look. Originally from Shanghai, China, Sergeant Ren Liu said he was always fascinated by guns, jets, and world military history, so he chose the Marine Corps. I chose the most challenging one because I feel like if I'm going to do this once in my life, I am going to make it count. So I, at the time, I had a mindset of a Go big or go home. He's served for over 10 years and now oversees a local training program that allows 17 to 34 year olds to train on a weekly basis and learn about the military, such as 18 year old Ryan Chung. For today's training, we focus specifically on our legs. So today we did duck walks, lunges, left and right leg hops. We did alternative squats and sumos. The Marine Corps motto since 1883 is Semper Fi, meaning always faithful in Latin. I joined the Marines because I want to be part of a larger family that, as I said before, got each other's backs. Like to me, I believe that the Marines will give me a bigger opportunity to learn more about leadership. So here at the San Francisco Marine Corps Station, we have Sergeant G. Sun, and people are encouraged to decorate their desk, show their personality. So um, we have the pleasure to meet Sergeant G. Sun. He is an artist. So um, Sergeant, what are you drawing here? So right now I'm drawing sort of like a poster for an event that I have upcoming at a school. Uh, we're gonna do like this pull-up bar challenge and I'm drawing a poster of this kid doing a pull-up so that way I can send it to the school and advertise it that it's coming up. Awesome. And you document, you said you document your experience here with through drawing, like why, why do you do that? I think it's a pretty nice way to express myself. Um, I'm not really good at you know writing, putting things in the words. So I think putting things in drawing is a way for me to tell the tell my story to the world. And Marines have individual stories from many backgrounds. We're looking for uh, the young individuals who wants to succeed in life because people join the Marines for various reasons, right? Some people join because they want to serve, some people join because they want to better themselves. I find out that the Marines is the, uh, has the higher standard, uh, it's the toughest. The station commander says only 7% of Marine positions are combat related, while the majority are in support positions and don't see battle. $300 a month is the difference if you go in as a private first class, right? It's $300 more dollars as a Lance Corporal. The trainees here come on their own accord, and whenever they feel they can't keep up with a workout... I always tell them, what's your biggest challenge that you've ever overcome? And how did you feel? Now, always remember that in the back of your mind, like, you can, you can definitely be successful in life. In San Francisco, California, David Lamb, NTD News. This Thanksgiving holiday, many are traveling to visit family and friends. They want to get on and off that plane as quickly as possible to be with loved ones. And the aviation industry is working hard to make those flights as short as possible. NTD's Virginia Gibson has more. During the Thanksgiving holidays, travelers want to happily get on and off that plane as swiftly as possible. Long wait times and delays will wipe the smiles off their faces and make them late for dinner. 
Airlines themselves are focused on making travel times as short as possible. Taking just a few minutes off flights saves them millions and avoids ripple effects that can delay every flight on the schedule. American Airlines has partnered with Microsoft to create the Smart Gating Program, which uses artificial intelligence to make the travel process as fast as possible. American is using this program at five airports. It's hoping to expand to a sixth in Phoenix. Discount carrier Frontier Airlines has a more low-tech solution. Have some passengers board the plane directly using stairs, while at the same time letting others use the traditional jet bridge to a different door on the plane. CEO Barry Biffle says if you want to board an airplane faster, use two doors instead of one. United Airlines is trying a new boarding system. Window seat passengers enter first, followed by middle seat passengers, then the aisle passengers. The company says this solution could shorten the boarding process by two minutes. Virginia Gibson, NTD News. Retailers are gearing up for Black Friday. The global event, known for its deep discounts, marks the unofficial start of the holiday shopping season. We spoke with NTD Business's Don Ma for details. Don Ma, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, pleasure to be here on this Thanksgiving day. Happy Thanksgiving indeed. Don, how busy is this Black Friday expected to be? Right, around 130 million people are planning to shop on Black Friday this year. Uh, of course, this is according to data from the National Retail Federation. And Thanksgiving weekend, uh, which uh, encompasses uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, this is the typically the most busiest shopping period in the United States, no surprise there. But throughout the holiday season, in-store traffic is actually expected to fall slightly. This this year, uh, dropping by about 3.5% compared to last year. And this is according to retail analytics firm Sensormatic Solutions. And on that note, how are retailers preparing for this shopping season? So retailers, uh, including Best Buy, Macy's, H&M, uh, they're already touting early Black, Black Friday sale uh, deals of up to 30% uh, off on some limited merchandise uh, online and in stores. But, you know, with student loan payments uh, returning and cost of housing, uh, essentials, all these, all, all these things pinching household budgets, analysts believe that retailers will have to rely on promotions and as well as early offers to stay afloat this holiday season. And according to research firm Jane Haley and Associates, uh, discounts at Kohl's and Macy's were as high as 60%. Uh, and Adobe said online discounts were expected to be as steep as 35% on toys, 24% on sporting goods, and 19% on furniture. Wow, some big discounts there. On that note, how is shopper demand looking? Yeah, uh, let me mention uh, Cyber Week, uh, which is the five days from Thanksgiving to Cyber Monday. Uh, this is expected to generate $37 billion in spending online, according to Adobe. And spending online during Black Friday is expected to rise about 5.7% uh, roughly uh, to $9.6 billion. And holiday sales online in, and in the U.S. stores are expected, ri expected to rise between 3% uh, and 4% during November and December. Uh, but this is actually the slowest pace in five years, according to a forecast by the National Retail Federation. And as well, Tiffany, numerous retailers said earlier this week that the holiday outlook is rather mixed uh, after a choppy start to the fourth quarter when most Americans, uh, this is uh, when they gear up for Christmas shopping. 
Despite that, what are some of the popular items or deals this year? Right. Uh, Best Buy kicked off its Black Friday deals in late October, actually, with offers uh, such as its PlayStation 5 for $499. Uh, but besides that, skin and hair care products uh, remain popular as well alongside that, with Ulta Beauty offering up to 40% on discounts uh, for CoverGirl and Lancome mascaras. Wow. Well, Donma, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Coming up, what will happen during the four-day truce between Israel and Hamas? A retired British Army colonel joins us to offer an insider perspective after the break. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, here are some of today's top headlines. The truce between Israel and Hamas will begin Friday morning at 7 a.m. local time. The first batch of 13 Israeli hostages will be released at 4 p.m. local time. Israel says the families have been notified. The right-leading Freedom Party won the elections in the Netherlands. Party leader Geert Wilders, who is known for being skeptical of the EU and immigration, is expected to be the next Dutch prime minister. In a court filing, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is accused of sexually assaulting a woman in 1993. The plaintiff, who is not named, is seeking $5 million in damages. Macy's held its 97th annual Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City. It lasted 30 minutes longer than usual and featured musicians John Batiste and Cher. Police arrested two pro-Palestinian protesters for causing disruptions. With the much-anticipated truce between Israel and Hamas just around the corner, we take a deeper dive into the deal. Retired British Army Colonel Richard Kemp, who served from 1977 to 2006, provides a rare insider perspective on the hostage deal brokered between Israel and Hamas. Colonel Richard Kemp, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure to be with you. Colonel, you're actually in Israel right now. Given this recent Israel-Hamas hostage deal, how do you read it? Is it a win for either side? Uh, it's certainly a win for um, Israel in terms of getting back at least some of the hostages that were dragged off on the 7th of October, which is very important for for Israel as a country and all people. Um, it's, it's a win also for Hamas because Hamas is under great pressure. They've been subjected to an enormous battering by Israel over the last few weeks. They're reeling, they're on the back foot. And this deal suggests it's not because they're some kind of humanitarian organization that takes pity on their captives. It suggests they're on, uh, in, in a desperate state and want to have some breathing space, which they, I think, hope will eventually lead to a permanent ceasefire. On that note, Israel has vowed to, quote, continue its complete annihilation of Hamas after this ceasefire. What will this four-day ceasefire do from a tactical perspective? Well, I think um, for the, from the Hamas perspective, it gives them a chance to regroup, reorganize, plan uh, defensive operations against the IDF, and in some cases for their leaders, I think, probably to try and escape out of Gaza to, to live and fight another day. For Israel, it doesn't give them any huge advantage, um, probably the opposite, in fact, because they begin to lose military momentum over, uh, over the four-day period. They can, of course, themselves reposition, prepare to 
uh, resume the offensive in an even more uh, furious way, I think, if it's possible. And they can operate some kind of surveillance on the enemy to see what they're doing, where they're going to, etc. although there are constraints on that under the deal that's been agreed. Now, there have been mixed reviews to this hostage deal. Former U.S. official John Bolton is saying negotiating with terrorists never works. What do you see as the geopolitical geopolitical impact of this deal? Well, I think it's got a few implications, one of which is that um, it, 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 uh, it gives, it, I think it, it, to an extent, undermines Israeli support among Arab states, because the Arabs, what they want, they want two things. They want Hamas to be destroyed. I'm talking about countries like Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, which is also all of those countries are indirectly threatened by Hamas. So they want Israel to destroy them. Uh, and secondly, they want a strong Israel. They want an Israel that's seen to be able to defend itself, stand up for itself, deter its enemies and also help in the protection of their own countries against the common threat, which is Iran. And I think this, it, it may appear to some of these Arab countries as a bit of a sign of Israeli weakness, the fact that they're, they're willing to pause their operations. I think the, the most important thing will be for Israel will be to resume operations as rapidly as possible and not allow themselves to be dragged into a protracted period of ceasefire, which I think there'll be a lot of pressure on them to do. Now, there have been some reports that say doing this type of a deal makes Hamas almost legitimate, that you are negotiating with them. How much do you see international pressure, especially all of these global protests that are pro-Palestine, playing into this deal? Well, I think it's uh, absolutely the correct perspective. It, 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 there are a lot of people in the Western world, in particular in Europe, in the United States, in Britain, who are sympathetic towards Hamas. I think they were really horrified by what they saw in most cases on the 7th of October, although many people will say Israel had it coming, which of course is a horrific thing to imagine, but nevertheless, that's what some people think. And there is sympathy for Hamas. And I think, I think uh, them being seen to be reasonable people, reasonable actors who are willing to release some of the hostages, I think that reinforces those people who are sympathetic. And I think if anything, this is going to lead to probably even greater protests around the West in favor of Hamas against Israel, because they will, they will be given a kind of a, uh, I think, an incentive to, to be pushing hard for a longer ceasefire. Expanding on that, there are growing calls for a, quote, two-state solution. How would that work, given that under the Hamas charter, it vows to destroy Israel? Well, we had a two-state solution in effect, and that was Gaza and Israel. Gaza was in effect when Israel left it in 2005. Gaza was pretty much an independent state, uh, propped up, of course, by the international community. Um, and we saw the consequences of that. We saw the consequences of Israel, Israel's withdrawal. Over many years, Hamas built up a, a war machine inside Gaza directly aimed at destroying Israel. Uh, so I don't think there's any any prospect that Israel is going to allow the resumption of that element of the two-state solution. And, and I, I don't believe the feelings in, in Judea and Samaria or the West Bank are much different from the feelings inside Gaza. And, you know, there have been polls taken recently which suggest that had, if there was an election now in Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, then Hamas would come out on top. There's a lot of support for Hamas. And that support, if anything, has grown 
as a result of the 7th of October. So in my view, in my view those people who are saying, this shows how much we need a two-state solution are living in a dream world. It's not going to happen. The Palestinians do not want their own state. Their priority, their overriding priority is to get rid of the Jewish state. Uh, and, and furthermore, Israel cannot allow a two uh, an independent state of Israel. It's got to have security control over Gaza and over the West Bank. Given that, what is the solution here then? Well, I would say the solution is something like the status quo. Uh, in other words, maybe giving, maybe in, in the fullness of time, giving Palestinians greater autonomy. Um, although they've shown over many years, they've shown that they're not able to handle that autonomy. For example, in areas they're supposed to have security responsibility for in the West Bank, they've been unable to exercise that, even though they've been given the tools to do so. And the IDF has to go in and deal with terrorism there. So I think, you know, there, there is a possible uh, future of um, a greater autonomy, but it's looking pretty dodgy. And I think otherwise we, we, we're in the status quo situation. There's only one thing I think that may influence it, may over time change the minds of those Palestinians who are just focused on getting rid of Israel, and that is the development of the Abraham Accords, normalization with Saudi Arabia, which was on the cards before this began, and I think will be on the cards again. And that may put pressure on Palestinian leadership to, to eventually see reason, but not in the immediate future. Colonel Richard Kemp, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, my pleasure. Coming up, the holiday display at the United States Botanic Garden. You'll find plant-based sculptures of D.C. landmarks and other festive attractions. Sam Wong brings us there. And in the NFL, the Thanksgiving tradition continues with a triple header today. NTD's Dave Martin will join us to talk about some memorable performances of years past when we return. Welcome back. The United States Botanic Garden is gearing up for another holiday season. It showcases replicas of several D.C. landmarks made with plants and features many other attractions. NTD's Sam Wong takes us through the exhibit. Walking into the U.S. Botanic Garden, visitors are immediately greeted by this year's holiday treat, a display featuring a GH model train chugging through a pollinator garden, attracting the attention of children and adults alike. The vibrant outdoor scenery is just a prelude to a much bigger indoor conservatory where plants from across the world are showcased. And here's an eye catcher, a plant-based replica of the U.S. Capitol. So we're looking at things like cinnamon sticks and I see wheat seeds uh, used there, acorn caps, willow, grapevines, several hundred plants are used to make these models and we know that a group of six artists worked on this building 600 hours to create this. Surrounding it are some new poinsettias that are not yet available for the market. People continue to make new varieties all the time. Um, so we've got a handful here that are going to be like bright, bright white, like paper white. Uh, we've got some really cool marble ones over there that are kind of cream with a pink stripe down the center, which is new on the market. Part of the garden's exhibit this year delves into how scientific innovation in agriculture impacts the world. That includes several dozen varieties of corns modified by humans. 
But these are uh, created by humans breeding different types of corn around the world for different purposes and in different environments. And uh, you get this beautiful array of colors and shapes and sizes. And that's why there is such a wide variety bred over time. Because what you're looking for is what can be more heat tolerant or what can be more drought tolerant or flooding tolerant. The Botanic Garden's annual holiday display called Seasons Greening is open today. And it'll stay open all the way to the beginning of next year, except for Christmas Day. Reporting from Washington, D.C., Sam Wong, NTD News. And now for your sports news, we welcome NTD's Dave Martin. Dave, for many Americans, Thanksgiving means, of course, seeing family eating turkey and watching the NFL. Now, there have been some memorable Thanksgiving moments in the NFL, such as Randy Moss's coming out party and the coin toss fiasco. Do we see any today? Well, there were some good performances today. I don't think any were as memorable as those. You know, the Packers topped the Lions in the opener. Dallas is leading Washington right now. The 49ers and Seahawks play tonight. But as far as memorable moments, you know, Barry Sanders has had a number of highlight runs on Thanksgiving. Tony Romo actually had a similar coming out party for Dallas on 2006. Now on the negative side, who can forget poor Leon Letts blunder in the snow some three decades ago that cost his team the title. As a Jets fan, it kind of saddens me to say that the unfortunate butt fumble by Mark Sanchez some 10 years ago where he ran into the backside of his own offensive lineman, causing him to fumble about the ball away to the other team who scored a touchdown, that one may never be topped. Now in college football, we do have the Egg Bowl tonight as 12th ranked Ole Miss plays Mississippi State. Now, what kind of odds do the Rebels have of making the playoffs at that ranking and with two losses? I mean, I would say almost zero. I don't even know why they rank teams 11 through 25. If you have three or four losses, there's no chance you're making the playoffs. You know, there's five undefeated teams right now and only four playoff spots available. So it's already a log jam at the top. Now, there was an instance uh, in the old B BCS system where LSU made the title game with two losses. Both were in overtime. They actually ended up winning the championship. Now that though was an unusual season and if you win the SEC that goes a long ways. Now the BCS system was essentially a two-team playoff which was abolished a decade ago in, t in favor of today's four-team playoff. Yet there are roughly 120 college teams. Why is it so exclusive? Because of the bowl system, really. You know, the bowl games started over 100 years ago with the Rose Bowl. Eventually the cotton, the sugar, uh, the fiesta, they were all added. Uh, by 1990, there were 19 bowl games that made up their postseason, but it wasn't an orchestrated playoff. You know, each bowl game decided who they were going to invite on their own. So it was just a mishmash of the best teams playing a single game at the end of the season. And then we'd all wait for the AP voters to decide who they're going to rank number one, and that team would be decide that team would be handed the national championship. So it wasn't really decided on the field. Now every other level of college football, high school pros, they have a real playoff format where it's one on the field. It's just that there's a lot of money and tradition that's involved with these bowl games, so it's taken a while to do this transition. See, and now next season, the NCAA playoffs are expanding to 12 teams with six automatic bids. But now there's talk of there being only five bids. Why the possible change here? Well, I think it has to do with money and the Pac-12 status as no longer a power conference. You know, the original plan was that there would be six automatic bids given to the winners of the uh, six. The six highest rated conference champions would receive the automatic bids. So that guaranteed that at least one team outside the Power Five would make the playoffs. But that was before the demise of the Pac-12 this summer. 
Uh, now, either the Pac-12 is going to dissolve or they're going to continue without their flagship schools. Either way, it's not really going to be considered a Power 5 conference. So in that instance, that would clear the way for two teams outside the, the Power 5 to make the postseason. That might not be allowed to happen, uh, you know, for money purposes, too. You know, for instance, if you qualify for these playoffs, it is a $6 million payout per team, uh, plus expenses paid for those who uh, make it to the title game. And I'm sure that's just going to go up going forward. Indeed. Well, Dave, as always, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tiff. And that's all for today's news from all of us here at NTD News. Happy Thanksgiving. We're grateful for all of your support. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Good night.